Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, welcome into Attacking Third. We've got so much women's football to talk about today. We have NWSL expansion draft. There's been trades and movements and free agency happening post-draft. Plus the Barclays Women's Super League. We're going to talk about that through match day 10. Thanks so much for joining us alongside Darian Jenkins, Sandra Herrera, and Aaron West. I am Lisa Carlin. Aaron, welcome back. We've missed you. Um, I have to say that to you first. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be, I was going to say with you guys, but it's good to be here on the show. <laughs> I wish it was in studio, but it's good to be on the show. And it's, uh, thank you for having me as always. Yeah. I mean, good to have you. Sandra did kind of show out with her Christmas sweater though. Yeah, she did. Usually, usually she win hard. the fashion. Aaron, but, but. <laughs> I want, I want a shout out. Cause I've got little like reindeer horns. Yep. That's somewhat festive. See, I, I like it. It looks oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all working out. Being at your parents' house for the holidays. <laughs> tis, tis the season. Tis the season. Tis the season. I love that. Um, there's a lot to talk about because the holidays are coming up. And with that means some news. And that's where we have to start because there has been a lot of news. Let's start in Spain. How about? Because FC Barcelona head coach Jonathan Heraldez has confirmed he will not be renewing his contract with Barcelona that expires at the end of this season. There have been multiple reports about Heraldez going to the Washington Spirit in the NWSL, just one of the many teams. I believe there's four teams in the league that have coaching vacancies. So Michelle Kang, she's co-owner of the Washington Spirit. She has reportedly offered Heraldez five times his current salary, which is completely bonkers. Heraldez has been with Barcelona since 2021. He's won the league two times. He's won the Champions League in 2023. And currently Barcelona are on their way to a fifth Liga F title. They're undefeated right now, currently through 12 match days. And in Champions League, they're 3-0 and at the top of Group A. Big story that is still reportedly, we will keep you updated as that story continues to unfold. But Michelle Kang, she's 
making news all over the place, potentially bringing Jonathan Heraldez to Washington Spirit and also snatching up some other teams because Michelle Kang, Washington Spirit co-owner, has acquired London City Lionesses in England's second division. So it's one level under the Barclays Women's Super League. This deal is completely in line with Kang's mission to build the permanent female sports organization in the world. And Frankly, this announcement comes after a lot of reports in May when Kang and French club Lyon entered a partnership to form an international multi-team women's soccer organization. And this was an announcement that we knew was coming. We weren't sure we would get it before the end of the new year. But Darian, we have officially learned that Michelle Kang is stretching her ownership fingers across the globe. And, and now she's in England. I mean, this is so cool for women's football, Darian. Oh, it's incredible for women's football. And shout out Michelle King. I want to be her when I grow up because <laughs> she is buying up everything. And that is how I aspire to be. But no, she she is a huge factor as to why this game is growing so much. And she is one of the few owners that are really putting their money where their mouth is and investing, but into programs that I think she's looking to develop. She's not just jumping in while it's hot. She's actually thinking longer term and how she can make this far more spread out and have a longer term success. So I love it for women's sports, for women's soccer and for her. I mean, I think it's credible that she's the one really leading this charge and proving it to everybody else. This is a, a group and an organization that we, I mean, we knew Michelle Kang was going to take football seriously. She's now acquired this independent club in, in London City, but she's also doing a lot with Washington too, potentially getting Heraldes to the NWSL, Aaron. I love yeah, it. I was going to say, I don't want to jump too far ahead in the news, but she's making big moves, not just on the other side of the pond, maybe on this side of the pond. We know it's just a rumor, but if someone's going to spend money, it looks like it's going to be Michelle Kang right now. We don't know how much she has. I think that bag may be limitless. It's a Mary Poppins bag. And she's doing, I, I think that she really wants to push this, especially the, the Spirit franchise into the future. She really wants to be at the forefront of women's sports, not just women's soccer. I think it's massive for the women's game in general. And I'm keeping my eye on him as a Gotham supporter. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I mean, I'm with I'm with the both of you. I I don't have too much to add other than you'd love to see it. Honestly, I think this is what we talk about, and and unfortunately, when it comes to seeing the the growth of of women's sports, for some folks out there, you got to tie it to numbers. You got to tie it to mm -hmm. dollars. You got to tie it to those things. And Michelle King is out here doing exactly that. So to go from the spirit to having an ownership stake in, in Lyon and now in England as well, it's like leaving a footprint in all these footballing countries where we've seen women's soccer really kind of already growing. So I'm eager to see if there's any truth to to, to some of these rumors uh, connecting her franchise in the spirit to to a head coach in uh, Hiraldes. Deep pockets for sure from Michelle Kang and continuing to stretch her her wings and make women's football what she knows and what we all know here, what it can be and what it should be. Um, Houston, they've also got some deep pockets because free agency window is officially open in the NWSL and forward Maria Sanchez stays in Houston. She has re-signed with the Dash as a free agent, $1.5 million um, for a long-term contract through 2026 with then a mutual option for 2027. Maria Sanchez spent two seasons formerly in Houston. She got there ahead of the 2022 season and now she becomes the NWSL's highest 
paid player after signing this new deal surpasses Trinity Rodman, who is with Washington Spirit after her $1.1 million deal that she signed with the Spirit in 2022. Sandra, Maria is staying in Houston as a free agent. She's getting what she deserves to be paid. Who makes out better in this deal, Maria or, or Houston? Honestly, NWSL, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. I think this is a, a player who has kind of shown that she is a high caliber talent. This is a player that we've seen navigate playing responsibilities, both for club and country at this point. I think people forget that Maria Sanchez was chosen. Like, this is a player who has been kind of on the scene and in headlines since she was a teenager. She was with that 2015 World Cup squad with Mexico the last time they ever played in a senior-level Women's World Cup. And she's now with this senior national team program still trying to, to get back and, and break through in that international cycle. So to kind of see where she has come from to where she is now. I, I, I think this is a player that people look at and you can't not root for this type of player. So to kind of see this contract get announced, uh, going to Maria Sanchez and that caliber of player, I think it says a lot. I think it's, it's turning a lot of heads. It's raising a lot of eyebrows even as well. But I think there's a lot to be said at this particular moment that at least on this day, on December the 18th in 2023, one of the highest contract belongs to a Mexican player in NWSL. And that this is one of the faces of NWSL. That when you think of NWSL players, you're going to think of players like Maria Sanchez. So uh, I was thrilled when I saw the news, incredibly proud as well as a Mexican-American to see a player of her talents and caliber reach this level of achievement. This is a player who has set out a lot of goals for herself and have already has already checked off a lot of those those boxes. And I think this is just another one. So um, I'm eager to see where she goes next on the pitch in, in terms of what this all means for her moving forward. Exactly. And Houston's so excited to have her because of, of what she's been able to do and, and grow in that front line with the dash. We'll actually hear more from Maria Sanchez. She joins us on the episode, so we get to chat with her. So stick around. You don't want to miss that a little bit later. Following the NWSL expansion draft that happened on Friday, there has been a flurry of movement across the league. I'm going to run through a lot of it so to catch everyone up to date. Elise Bennett, forward, who spent her second year in the NWSL with OL Reign, was chosen in the expansion draft to Utah Royals as their first pick on Friday, the number two overall draft pick. Then, Sunday, December 17th, Bennett was traded to San Diego Wave in exchange for $40,000 in allocation money. Utah Royals saying that during an early timeout in Friday's NWSL expansion draft, Utah's first expansion selection and second overall following Bay FC's pick, Utah Royals discussed with both Elise Bennett and San Diego a potential transaction for the 23-year-old striker entering her third NWSL campaign. So Elise Bennett is headed to San Diego. Another player, defender and midfielder Sierra Engie, she has been reacquired by the San Diego Wave. This went down in a three-way trade between Bay FC, Houston Dash, and San Diego Wave. Sierra Engie was selected by Bay FC in Friday's expansion draft as Bay's seventh and the final pick in the draft. Bay FC then traded Engie to Houston Dash in exchange for $50,000 in allocation money. And then Houston traded with San Diego. So Engie 
was is now able to return to her hometown club in San Diego. A lot of trades and a lot of movements, but she is back in with the wave. And Houston received midfielder Bell Breedy from San Diego, as well as San Diego's 2024 natural third round NWSL draft pick and $60,000 in allocation money. The Utah Royals, they have signed defender and free agent Addison Merrick. So now under Amy Rodriguez at Utah, they have 14 players on the roster. And defender Ellie Jean has been traded to Racing Louisville Bay FC, received $40,000 in allocation money for Ellie Jean. The Jean Gotham Bay FC trade happened prior to the expansion draft, and Gotham was able to trade for some protection. Um, and now Ellie Jean is ultimately at Racing Louisville. There have been a lot of moves, a lot happening, and they'll continue to happen, Darian. But when you look at kind of the rundown of all this movement that has happened, what stands out? you chaos isn't this so (laughs) on brand for nwsl are we actually surprised uh i think something that stands out i know we're going to talk about this in more depth later is i'm not a fan of the expansion draft it's a lot of stress in the off season when you're meant to be relaxing trying to get your mind right to prepare for another long season with more games more visibility more pressure so I like that some teams are taking consideration and talking to certain players and not wanting to trade them places where they don't want to be, where they don't see themselves thriving, they don't see themselves playing, or they just want to be somewhere else. I I love that teams are considering that because I don't, I've yet to speak to anyone that's a fan of the expansion draft. So again, chaos. I like that people have hearts and are looking at players as humans because they are, and we need to consider that when making these decisions. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to go a little bit more into that because expansion draft chaos on brand. Completely on brand, these players making moves. And and I mean, even you look in the case of Sierra Engie, like she was traded in this expansion draft and San Diego worked to get her back. They worked with Utah and with Houston to do that. It's it's pretty cool that some of these teams, right, really do try to take into account these players. And, and the teams have said that. Um, yeah. plenty, plenty more to come in the free agency chat and off-season chat with the NWSL. We're going to have a lot more expansion draft talk on this episode, but we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we have a special interview with the currently highest paid player in the NWSL, Maria Sanchez. Don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey everyone, welcome back to Attacking Third. We are thrilled to be joined now by Houston Dash Forward Mexican International Maria Sanchez. Maria just signed a blockbuster deal essentially with Houston Dash as a free agent. So she's staying in H-Town. Maria, welcome on to Attacking Third. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm very happy. Thank you guys for having me. Um, it's It's been an exciting couple last months uh, a work in progress and I'm just very happy to to be staying in Houston you are staying in Houston Um, you spent two seasons with the dash and now as a free agent you chose to stay there why 
why did you choose as a free agent? You could go anywhere. It's the beauty of the CBA and the NWSL, but why did you choose to stay with Houston? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just the right choice to make. I, I was a restricted free agent, so I, I think I had one more year um, until I was a free agent. But yeah, I mean, it was it's crazy. It's been a crazy last few years. Um, I remember wanting to come back into the NWSL two years ago. I told my agent I would literally go anywhere. I just wanted to be in the NWSL because... I wanted to prove myself and, and represent uh, Mexican women's soccer here. And um, this year, end of the season was just insane. I mean, it was crazy hearing from him how many clubs had interest in me. And so, yeah, I think the effort that Houston made to keep me was showed me a lot about the club and, and what I mean to them as well. So, yeah, that made my, my choice a lot easier. Hey, Maria, happy to have you back on the show. and thrilled to hear about the new deal for you. Uh, when I saw the news come through, I was like, yes, let's get it. Let's go. Uh, so happy to have you on to, to chat with you for a little bit about it. But let's let's stay with that that energy uh, a little bit, because I love that you brought up the, the the last time that not only you were on here, but the previous contract that, that you had getting back into. I remember when we had you on, there was this really cool promo video that the Dash had, had put out back then. And you had referred to the NWSL as like the league of your dreams. So here you are again, we're, we're talking about a new contract for you. And there was this new promo video that came out announcing the news with, with the Dash. It starts with a little girl with a letter to you talking about all these incredible things about seeing herself in, in someone like you and, and having a project, a long-term project with uh, Houston Dash that is kind of unfinished right now for you. So what does it mean to kind of not only become, as of this moment, one of the highest players in the league, but to do so as a Mexican-American player in this league? Yeah, I think to me, that's everything. I mean, representation. I'm pretty sure bigger contracts are going to come along the way, but I think setting that standard that milestone for Mexican players is huge for me. Since I came into the league, I wanted to represent the Mexicans here. And I wanted to show the league that Mexican women soccer players can't play in this league and that we can make a difference. And so to me, I think that was huge. I mean, I think I'm still hopefully setting the way and, and I've talked to younger teammates about this and I'm like like right now I have the opportunity to do this but I mean when you guys are my age you guys are going to be signing probably three times double than what I'm signing for so it's obviously very exciting but I think it's just a growth in in what we have here in the future. Maria, I mean, it, it is growth and it is so cool to see this. It, it's a long-term contract through 2026 with a mutual option for 2027, making nearly $1.5 million. And you talked about the free agency of it and, and working with your agent about all these other clubs that wanted you and were interested in you. This is only the second year that the NWSL, second offseason, that the league has had free agency. What kind of did you think about it last year and, and kind of how did that play into what you wanted to do in this offseason? I mean, it's great that these players finally have free agency, but from your perspective as a player, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's exciting. I know when I was at Chicago, I wish we would have had this. I mean, I would have still probably not been eligible for it, but I think it helps a lot of players out. I think players should 
be able to control where they want to be. And, and in cir some circumstances, obviously, that's not possible yet. But I do think it's really important for players to be able to develop themselves and be in an environment that they're happy. I think that's an important piece to everything, because if you're not happy in the environment you're in, it's hard to play good soccer. Maria, I, I just want to like maybe take a look at this moment as sort of just kind of maybe the end of, of the, the capping off the end of an incredible year for you personally, because not only have you achieved a lot of milestones with Houston Dash already, you were such a you've been such a focal part of their attack since you've arrived. But outside of Houston Dash, you also balance a lot of uh, international duty as well, representing uh, the Mexican women's national team. And this is a team that has find itself kind of taking these next steps in in the look ahead to this next cycle. So you are someone who has become kind of like that veteran presence on that national team as they continue to to take these steps forward and looking ahead to finally finding their way back into a World Cup or, or, or an Olympics. But there's been a couple gold medals that you have won with this team. This national team program is closing out its 2023 undefeated. Talk to me about this 2023 with the Mexican women's national team this year. Yeah, I mean, I think we we have the opportunity to see what Pedro offers for us. I know he he I mean, he's a great coach, so I think that w under him we were able to have a good year and we go into a, a gold cup where we're proving ourselves against top 10 teams. So, I think that's where we will truly know the growth we've had as as a Mexican uh, national team because I mean tournaments like those it's it's not so easy to play in and mentally and physically it demands a lot more than a lot of these tournaments that we were in this year so I think what's important for us is maintaining that level and even more because I mean to to compete against teams like Brazil Canada and and the U.S. we're gonna need to to be at the best level we can be at. Maria, you will be competing with those teams. Next year is the inaugural W Cold Cup. The draw happened and Mexico is drawn into a group with the United States, Argentina, and then the winner of Guyana and Dominican Republic. So the group came out. What are your thoughts on this group? Like, dare we say group of death already? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, a huge challenge. I mean, we have teams that have been doing well, I mean, with Argentina, and then we, we don't, we're not sure who our other opponent will be. But I mean, it's going to be a huge competition. Obviously, US is going through a, a moment of change in their national team. So I think hopefully we can do a lot better than we've done historically against them. And then against Argentina, we know that it's always a, a huge battle. So yeah, I'd say it's the group of death, but uh, but yeah, it'll it'll be a good challenge for us for sure. I love it. I I remember when we were well, we were covering the draw on IE three just because we're gonna have all those games across CBS Sports platform, so people should definitely tune in and see you and the Mexican women's national team in twenty twenty four when you take on all those teams in the gold cup, but to sort of maybe get started on closing things out here. Cause we don't want to eat up too much of your time because you are a woman in demand today <laughs> with, with all of the news. But I think maybe just to I, I piggyback off of that previous question that I asked you with so many great things that you've accomplished in 2023, what would you say are uh, maybe the, the one that you're most proud of this year? I think just the growth I've had on the field, I think this year demanded a different aspect to my career, a uh, different aspect to the type of player 
I am. I think I had a lot of success with the Mexican women's national team, but it was kind of a tough season with the Houston Dash um, with how we did this year. But I think we all need years like those. We all need to go through things like that because, I mean, hopefully the end part of it will be better than this year. But um, yeah, I think the growth I had individually as a soccer player in, in my career this year was really important to that because I think hopefully I'll, I'll grow a lot emotionally and mentally and bring that into next year and my next season's at Dash. Maria, you're still the left-footed wizard. Don't worry. Yeah. Like it's, it, it's just known across the league. What it, Looking back on 2023 now, as uh, we approach this time of year where it's the new year, there's resolutions, there's a lot that are happening. What are your goals for 2024, both club and country-wise? Yeah, I mean, I think country-wise, I want to do well in that Gold Cup. I want to show that we've been growing as a national team and, and that we're hopefully – historically won't be the same as we've been before because I know we've we've struggled in tournaments of, of those types so with Mexico hopefully we can have a, a good gold cup and with Dash I mean I want to show that we can be a competitive team I want to be at the top of the table I want to win championships um, I know it's a big process and especially in this league there's so many good players out there there's so many great teams every team I think competes to win so I think for me it's really that challenge to to be better with the Houston Dash individually and as a team and hopefully we can uh, win championships and, and give back to the club and the fans so yeah. That's exactly what Houston fans wanted to hear today. Not only are you staying with the Dash, but you want to bring championships to Houston. Maria, congratulations on your huge contract. Congratulations on all you've done. And thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys. We'll be back with more A3 right after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to Attacking Third. On Friday, we had to see the NWSL expansion draft for Bay FC and the Utah Royals, a chance for both of these expansion clubs, 13 and 14 in the NWSL, to build out their roster. During the expansion draft, there was a maximum of 10 picks. We actually saw seven picks happen. Seven teams were protected, and there was only five teams to pick from. Bay FC could choose from Chicago, O.L. Reign, North Carolina, and San Diego. Meanwhile, Utah could only pick from Chicago, O.L. Reign, and Racing Louisville. During this expansion draft, Bay FC, they went out and they were able to make uh, five picks, a number of picks that they then ultimately 
made some changes for after, but defender Alyssa Mallinson, forward Tess Bodie, forward Rachel Hill, goalkeeper Caitlin Rowland, the first ever goalkeeper ever chosen in expansion draft, fun fact, and midfielder Sierra Engie, who has now been traded back to San Diego in a three-way trade with Houston, San Diego, and Bay FC. So four players, ultimately, Sandra, that Bay FC was able to acquire during this expansion draft. And does this help them build up their roster? Is this what you wanted to see from Bay FC following the expansion draft? I mean, I think to a certain extent it does. I know we're going to have more discussion about the expansion draft overall, but I think as it currently exists and the two teams going into that event and what the stakes were, I think it's a about as good as you can have expected from a uh, Bay FC. I think when you're looking at the expansion draft across the board and even maybe some of the history of it, which I had to do in the days leading up to this particular event, it's like, well, how is this team going to walk away with fleshing out some of their roster? Because unlike Utah, they maybe didn't have as many players that they had acquired just yet as Utah had. So I think in terms of the players that they went out to target it looks like they have a mix so i think tess Bodie is a forward that is uh still in the early stages of her professional career and they're probably hoping that they can go ahead and, and continue that development with her but then on the other side they also chose selected a, a rachel hill this is someone who has been in the league for quite some time has played on a number of teams is not unfamiliar or unexperienced when it comes to slotting into a starting 11 or coming off of the bench or being that attacking piece in, in a team to generate offense. So you have an, an two players, maybe in a similar position that are uh, perhaps in, in different phases of their career, but I do like the pick for Kaylin Rowland. I, I thought with the entry draft right around the corner, maybe they would utilize this as an opportunity to just sort of secure a goalkeeper in, in this expansion draft. And I like that they went with someone who's a California native, someone who is also has experience in, in the league. I mean, you could look at, at, at Kaylin Rowland and some of the rosters that she's been a part of, and it's coming off of a, of a challenge cup victory with, with NC courage. So I think maybe of the pieces that they selected, maybe that that was the one that they can kind of, pencil in and kind of solidify um, and we'll see who else they maybe kind of get to kind of incorporate a goalkeepers union and, and try to make sure things stay competitive in that aspect. But uh, in terms of like overall enthusiasm, I think it's, it's hard to gauge with, with what we just experienced in this current expansion draft. I think there was a little bit of that enthusiasm that gets sucked out of it because of everything that comes with uh, an expansion draft in terms of player well-being and player wellness, et cetera. Kudos to Sandra for kind of wading through that because it, I mean, the best possible way to, to describe this thing is a crapshoot, right? Yeah. Uh, you have to take the best you can out of this. And I think BFC probably did the best they could with what they were given, with what was available to them. I'm really interested in, in Bay's approach. Lucy Rushton is someone who's stated her, her belief in analytics combined with, with the, the natural eye. And how they're building their roster is interesting to me, but it, it's really difficult when you don't have that much of a pool to select from. But I do think that the players have picked, they've, they've got a good mix of kind of youth and experience of players that maybe will be in the first 11 when the season rolls around, maybe will be depth pieces. But it's really, really hard to kind of pick through 
who's been left unprotected, especially because right before the draft, everyone's scrambling around <laughs> to move pieces around. So you can't even really plan for it. It's pretty difficult overall. But I agree with Sandra. I think they did probably the best they could have with what was available. Yeah, so many teams and, and players were able to be traded before the draft. Um, we're going to get into that a little bit later. But uh, when you look at those, so Bay, that's Bay FC and what they were able to do. Darian, when you look at Utah, they had opportunities to select players in this one. They chose to pass on a number of their picks. Ultimately, they got two selections, forward Elise Bennett and forward Paige Monahan. Elise Bennett has already left Utah. She was there for a couple hours, and now she's out to San Diego. So in this expansion draft, Utah picked up one player in Paige Monahan. Is that kind of on par with how this expansion draft should go or what you expected from Utah? Like Aaron said, it's a crapshoot. I don't know if there's a way that this is supposed to go or maybe that the NWSL was designing for it to go because it just a lot of it goes against what players actually want to do. And then also with players that have guaranteed contracts, I, I question if that was really considered and how much that affects the pool that would be pulled for the expansion draft and free agency. Like there's, there's so many elements that go into this, but Utah, the way that they worked the expansion draft, and now I think, Lisa, you said they have nine college draft picks. Looking at the roster that they built up with trades before and afterwards, you know, Michaela Clough, Kaylee Real, Kate Delfava, they picked up Mandy McGlynn, Carly Nelson, Michelle Vasconcelos. I, I know I'm missing some, but they have a roster that's a lot of experience. Players that have come off the bench, have started, have played lucrative minutes, really good for the locker room and team players. I think a lot of them are utility players and can mesh anywhere on the pitch. So I think they're looking, especially thinking about Amy Rodriguez being first year at a pro coach. We know she's going to kill it. She has a killer instinct. She's won literally everything in women's soccer possible, but she's probably bringing together this younger roster of college draftees to really build her identity in this league. And I think Utah is really going to surprise people with how they come out because, like I said, it's going to be young, but a really hungry squad. And if we've seen A-Rod play, I think she's going to coach <laughs> the exact same way. She is a beast on the pitch, and I don't expect anything less from her coaching style. So I think we're going to see a really, really good team with a lot of grit and see her develop her coaching and playing style within the NWSL. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think they did it in the way that makes sense for the program and where they are right now with Amy Rodriguez. Yeah, I think if we can take anything from the one selection they did make, Paige Monahan, I think is a very Amy Rodriguez player, high energy, will work her socks off, a very good pro, very positive. So if we know anything, they're going to work hard. So I, I think that it'll be <laughs> a lot of fun to watch. They will definitely work hard. Yeah, that's such a great point. Monahan's also really versatile, right? She can play in the outside back in the wing back position, in the outside midfield, and in the front line on the wing. She's a with player, but she, both sides of the ball, she works really hard. And mm -hmm. Darian, with all of this, Utah now has 14 players on their roster. You're, you're right, nine college draft picks. It looks like they're bulking up perhaps a little bit more than Bay FC at this point. However, there's still free agency. There's still a lot to happen ahead of the the college draft that's to come in early January. But there were seven teams that were able to trade for protection ahead of this expansion draft. Angel City, Houston, Kansas City, Gotham, Orlando, Portland, and Washington. They had full protection from both Utah and Bay FC. Sandra, when you look at this expansion draft and what these teams were able to do, what is the price of protection, would you say, for these clubs? No, I think it's difficult to gauge, like, 
you know, what the actual price point can be for, for protection. And it's, it's wild to even think that that's a component that we're talking about and thinking about what's, what's the price for protection, right? Even saying it feels a little bit icky, but I think it's, we saw a really wide spectrum of things in, in, in that week or in the days around leading up to the expansion draft. I think Orlando pride might be the best example about getting in there early and making sure you're starting those conversations with the incoming expansion sides to kind of navigate, to kind of determine how you want to navigate things moving forward. And it seems like in terms of a lot of the trades that ended up happening, when you think back and look at the timeline of it, Orlando was involved in the, in those conversations very, very early. So it kind of seemed like they'd had the appropriate conversations. They found the right players to have those conversations with Michaela Clough with a bit of a homecoming is one of these players that we've seen on the Utah Royal side of things now be kind of front facing, you know, in terms of chatting about her return to her home state and eagerness and, and willingness to want to go ahead and, and play and perform in, in front of a, in front of a home crowd. So I think in terms of, of a price point, it was a combination of existing clubs getting into a certain timeline. I think we maybe saw a little bit of a, of a scramble towards the end there when that transaction mor- moratorium came into play and clubs were like, let's try to make sure that we're going to get in front of this as much as we can, as quickly as we can. And we're talking literal like days or minutes before a, a deadline comes into play. So I think you mentioned several of those teams having either full or partial protection. And I think the other part of that component is to maybe point out and pluck out the ones that got that protection kind of at the deadline. So I think it's there's a number of factors that come into play. Do you maybe we have to talk about this again in a couple seasons from now when there's going to be another double expansion draft, unfortunately. How are teams going to navigate that one? Because that will be the third time that there's a double expansion draft. Yeah, we'll see what is to come. Great breaking it down, guys. I mean, it's good stuff. It's very confusing. And there's a lot of trades that happen even during the drafts and leading right up to it. And, of course, free agency then opened Saturday, the day after the expansion draft happened. And and a lot of players chose not to sign, whether it was with their existing clubs or when a free agent was going to move to a new club to kind of help out that club in protecting or, or not protecting players. But the expansion draft doesn't have a lot of fans about it. There's a lot of holes in the system and kind of how this goes. And is it the right move to come in 2026 when two new clubs join the NWSL? We're going to talk about it. Stick around. Uh, We've got more for you right here on Attacking Third. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Attacking Third. We have concluded the expansion draft recap coverage, but there's so much more to dive into here because this was the second expansion draft that we have seen in the NWSL in the last couple of years now with Bay FC and Utah Royals joining the league. And there's been a lot of pushback from 
fans, from pundits, from players, from coaches even, about this NWSL expansion draft that, frankly, they don't like it. It's not fair to a lot of the players. It's not fair to the clubs to have to protect some players, not protect others. And we have to talk about it here because we've also got thoughts and pretty good opinions. North Carolina head coach Sean Nahas, he he sent out a tweet that said he doesn't think people actually realize the damage that is created by this process being the expansion draft and what it does to players, clubs, those relationships. He says that we should be protecting the league and not just nine players per roster. There needs to be another way. Casey Stoney, San Diego Wave head coach, she put out messages on Instagram saying that we have to find a better way. It can be done, and I know it can because I did it, and it was done in six weeks for the players, about the players, always. Darian, as a former player, what is your experience with the expansion draft? I'm fortunate because I was on the side of being protected in the one expansion draft I experienced. But I ended up getting traded after, so it didn't even matter. But I'm not a fan of it. I don't think it allows players to develop confidence and safety and good relationships with their clubs and your coaching staff. And think about how much of a changeup it is in the locker room, the type of environment that you're creating by taking not even a starting 11. You don't even have a starting 11 you get to protect. But so many players in your locker room that bring so much, whether it's on the pitch, in training, off the pitch, for the team culture – And you're really affecting their careers. And a lot of the times you're shipping them off to places without their consent, without considering how this affects the maybe minutes they'll get, how they'll fit into that locker room. If the coach even likes them, what type of playing style actually fits for this player? And you're kind of stuck there. If you're not one of the really fortunate players that's been protected on your team for whatever reason, or if you have a no trade clause, it sucks. And I think mentally doing this in the offseason every two years is so brutal for the stability of players to want to stay in this league. I played in France after the expansion draft initially happened, and uh, some of my teammates couldn't get over how ridiculous it was that you could just be picked up and have zero say, and you renegotiate your contracts a lot of the time, and it's not what you want it to be because they didn't really want you. It just kind of worked out that way that they needed the numbers on their team. So I think there's a lot going on, and... I'm not sure that there's going to be a perfect solution to roster these new teams that are coming in, but I think something has to change where it's either you give these new expansion teams more allocation money or you change up the draft in some way that's a little bit more advantageous to them so that it does level the playing field. And you pay these free agents what they want to be paid. A lot of these teams are coming in where, you know, everybody wanted to go to LA. I was one of the players that wanted to go to LA and they have better you know, setups than a lot of the other teams do. So I think that there's there's a lot of factors that need to go into making it better. I don't think the expansion draft is the solution because it just causes so, so much disruption to organizations and the players' lives that isn't healthy for the longevity of the league when there's already a lot of distrust between the players and the NWSL in general. Aaron, what do you think? Do you agree with Sean Nahas, Casey Stoney, their sentiments about the expansion draft? Yeah, I do. While on the... Incoming side, I get Lucy Rushton, Bay FC. I get the expansion teams need to be build their squads somehow. But while I don't have the answer for how it should be, I don't think the current way is the right way. I've seen so much of the human cost firsthand. My wife is a former player. She is a GM now. She's talked about how she 
wants to shield her players from having to go through that process. How she, as a player, has seen that process, has been part of that process, has been fortunate enough to be protected, but seen teammates who are not protected. I've seen what it can do. And, and it, it's so much a, few, a human cost when you look at just the idea of, I was unprotected. You don't value me, quote unquote. It can cause yep. so much strife in a locker room. It can cause so much contention for no reason. It hinders planning on the the, uh, the side of GMs and coaches. It shakes teams up so much. It's a process that no one likes. <laughs> I think <laughs> even the expansion teams don't like it because they're bringing in players that don't necessarily want to be there. The players that are going through it, these are let's let's be honest the salaries are not at a point where you can just break a lease and immediately move and that doesn't impact your life there's so much little throughout and so much big in in this entire process that i think it's just a terrible process honestly yeah it's it's look it's it's not pretty it's it's tough to even like sit here and have to discuss this like hear darian's own personal experiences knowing that aaron is at a at a front row seat to that kind of stuff as well you know it's 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 hard to to kind of work through those different scenarios and yet here we are in in another ex a double expansion draft where we're just kind of kind of coming off one with la and san diego and looking ahead to one that's going to include boston in and in a market to be named later to try to maybe kind of brainstorm some like so, random solutions to it but it's difficult because even within this current expansion draft it brings up more or adds another layer or new layer of very strange feelings around it. I mean, we saw Chicago Red Stars have to go through this and end up not having any players selected in this. So not only do you have a franchise that had to make a protected player list and an unprotected player list, you now have a franchise that had to go through this process and not have any players selected. And on one side of that coin, you're saying, isn't that great for that franchise? And then on the other side of that, that is a massive chip, I think, to place on the shoulders of players who have already been navigating some very difficult channels in a franchise like Chicago Red Stars as they now are trying to look ahead into a new ownership era in their market. So I think you have all of these other kind of like sub areas or sub zones or sub genres of, of an expansion draft, especially this one that we just came out of that we can look at and pluck at and say, that was very, very odd and very weird. How can we make this better moving forward? So whether it's the Chicago Red Stars example, or the fact that you had one of the expansion teams selecting a handful of players, then trading away or another expansion team only selecting two, then trading away passing altogether, you know, electing to pass altogether during some of the rounds, there's something that we can kind of pluck out throughout the entirety of, of that, of that evening. So maybe, maybe this is the pop-off point, right? Where you have a second example of it, of a dual expansion event. And maybe you take a look at it and say, Hmm, how are we going to maybe rehash this, reinvent it and lead? We hear a lot that about a lot, a lot about that word, from Commissioner Jessica Berman specifically, that the NWSL wants to lead, that they want to be leaders. Well, here's another opportunity for them to do that. Yeah, it almost seemed like a bit of a formality in a sense, because yep. post-expansion draft, all these trades happen again, where players are going back to where they actually want to be. There's, there's almost like a sense of respect coming from these clubs, knowing and understanding, right? You As a coach, you don't want to have players on your roster that are 
miserable or don't want to be there or don't fit into your system, right? You want the best for them and, and the best for your team ultimately. Yeah, I totally agree with everything everyone's saying. Clearly, none of us are fans of the expansion draft. <laughs> but I, the biggest point to me is, like, I know this is, we talk about soccer, it's a women's soccer show, but they, they're humans. There's such a human element to this. And like Aaron said, reality is a lot of players don't make that much money. So you're sometimes in the offseason, players are moving already in the same market and then getting traded. So you're having to spend this money to move. Maybe your club won't pay for it, which a lot of times they don't. A lot of times they reject your bids to request payback on moving fees and shipping your car or it's not in your current contract. So they're not going to do anything about it or it was in your last year. So they can't do anything. It affects a lot. That's a lot of money when you don't make enough to really supplement that type of movement in your life and that type of disruption. And then to talk about what a confidence knock it is, if you're not protected or you're passed on or you're thrown around not at your own discretion is really difficult to then go into a market and feel confident and wanted and like you want to show up for this team. So th there's just so many things that go into it. But I think the biggest part that needs to be changed, the biggest reasons needs to be changed is the human element who nobody in their right mind wants to work for a job that you can be thrown around like that. So I think NWSL is lucky that these players are amazing and they love football and have such a great following that's going to support them wherever they go. But it needs to change and be really considered the human aspect of what this draft does. The players shouldn't have to sacrifice so much just to play the game. Yeah, exactly. And we saw this in 2022, the expansion draft, when Angel City and San Diego Wave joined the NWSL. But those rosters were primarily built on trades, not through the expansion draft. Uh, that's how those teams were able to acquire a lot of their players wanted to go there and wanted to play Angel City and San Diego. Uh, so we see it now in 2023 with the addition of Bay FC and Utah Royals. Um, will we see another two-team expansion draft in two years when the NWSL does expand again with Boston joining and then another potential club. We'll see. Still a, a lot to be determined around the NWSL and with these news, but safe to say that for this group here, it's we're not we're not too big of fans Ooh. of the expansion draft. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty more to talk about right here on Attacking Third. We're gonna go across the pond, talk about the Barclays Women's Super League. Don't go anywhere. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Match day 10 in the Barclays Women's Super League has officially concluded uh, across the board. A lot of interesting matches out there. Tottenham getting the 1-0 win over Arsenal. Liverpool 2-1 over Manchester United. Uh, a tough day for United at the office. Manchester City 4-1 over Everton. 
Chelsea, 3-0 win over Bristol City. Aston Villa gets the 1-0 win over Brighton. And West Ham and Leicester draw 1-1. Chelsea stays at the top of the standings, 25 points with Manchester City, 22 points just behind Chelsea. We have to start, Aaron. I'm so sorry to do this to you. As a Gunners fan, what happened? What happened for Arsenal in this walk to Tottenham? You guys, you guys bring me on attacking third just to eat abuse on me? What is this? Uh, I'm just getting virtually jumped? Come on. Uh, what happened is one of my favorite words in football is profligacy. It's wastefulness. 31 shots, 8 on target, 0 goals. 0 goals. Tottenham's efficiency, 5 shots, 3 on target, 1 goal is what did it for them. A massive result for Spurs. Kudos to all the Spurs fans out there. Mike Willows, kudos to you. Andre Neville, kudos to you. Whatever, whatever. You guys won the game. The WSL is is very tight this year. It's been a lot of fun to watch. There's a lot of quality throughout the league. I think this one's going to go down to the wire. Spurs may have come out. They might have come out on top this time. It's fine. Fine. It's okay. Everything's going to be fine. It's okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was first ever win for Tottenham over Arsenal and, and Tottenham's first clean sheet of the season. So for Tottenham fans, they're hoping this turns a page, right? And then they can continue this momentum. Uh, the, the lone goal for Tottenham coming from Martha Thomas in the 58th minute. Sandra, Liverpool, they beat Manchester United for the first time ever. Ella Toon, she opened the scoring for United in the third minute. And then a forced own goal plus uh, another one from Liverpool gives them the 2-1 win. It was, was this just not Manchester United's day? Maybe, but I would even argue that it wasn't looking like it was going to be Liverpool's day either. So, I mean, I think when you look at the final numbers of this, it kind of comes off as if it's, if it's pretty even. But I don't know if you're a Manchester United side that is trying to close out this first half of this season on a high, go on your holiday break, bust through in the opening minutes of this game with a goal by Elatoon and then kind of not, you know, be able to capitalize on that. Um, a lot of question marks, I think, there from Mark Skinner in this one. Never want to see uh, in a forced own goal that just levels things out, sucks momentum. And maybe there's an argument to be said that there wasn't a ton of that momentum either way in, in, in a game like this. But I think, obviously, if you're on the Liverpool side of things, delighted right to go ahead and kind of close out this first half of the season still kind of staying relevant I think the last time we did one of our women's super league updates that I wanted to see that from Liverpool that they're kind of picking up these wins here and there and and then showing that they are going to maybe be a club to be reckoned with so eager to see how they come back from the holiday break and what they've got in the mix moving forward this win for Liverpool 2-1 over Manchester United gives them three points. They're now even on points in the standings with United at 18. However, uh, Liverpool in fifth place, United still in fourth on the way the tiebreakers shake out. Uh, Darian, Chelsea. 3-0 over Bristol City. The Blues stay at the top. We had goals from Lauren James, Sam Kerr, Aaron Coverth. Uh, what'd you make of this match? Chelsea looked so good. 22 shots, 11 on target. I think this team is finding such good momentum. We talk about them every week and how they're showing out for Emma Hayes and her impendent leave from Chelsea. But I think what a great way to end the season. Uh, Lauren James with a rocket of a goal. She's unstoppable. I think anywhere around the box, she's such a threat. And something I like, I know we're talking about WSL, but US Women's National Team, 
we talked about how they play with their forwards in the pockets, almost like a, an extra 10, two 10, there's three tens that are playing in there. And Lauren James does it so well where she pops in the pocket. If no one's on her, even if they are, she turns, she reads the space well, and she scores nearly every time. She also had one in the second half off of the crossbar that was going to be another banger. And Cuthbert with a hell of a volley. I, I was shocked that she didn't take a touch and she just swung and it showed so much finesse. Um, and then Sam Kerr, uh, you know, we talk about her every week, how good she is, but I think she struggled in the first half to put away her chances. She had quite a few. You could tell with her frustration, even celebrating when she did score the third and final goal, she was kind of like, yeah, this should have been like four five or six at this point, but it just shows what a threat Chelsea is and how high their standard is that that's the reaction after going up three zero in a game. But yeah, Chelsea are just on fire. Top of the table. What a way to go into Christmas break. And I think they're going to come out with some more good momentum with this time off. Yeah, I think it's the sign of a really quality team and manager where they get a bad result against Arsenal losing 4-1. They, they get a bad result against Hawken drawing nil-nil. And they're not sitting top of their Champions League group. They go and, and, and win this match pretty handily. And I think going into this away match at Hawken in Champions League, they will dismantle them. I think it's going to be one of those big performances. Shout out to Lauren James absorbing all the, the abuse that she's taken and just keeping her head up and going out and performing. She is a, a true pro, but this Chelsea team is one to really, really watch out for. Chelsea staying at the top of the Super League table, 25 points, followed closely by Manchester City at 22 points. And City gets a, we just have to talk about this, a 4-1 win <laughs> over Everton. Great for them. Jill Roard gets on the board, but Bunny Shaw, a hat trick, her second hat trick in just three matches. I mean, Darian, she kind of makes it look too easy. Like, what? how is she able to do this so efficiently? You know, I played with her at Bordeaux, and it was annoying how effortless <laughs> she makes it look to be a powerhouse on the pitch. It's insanity. I think um, the world is finally catching on to what a force she is to be reckoned with and how much of a staple for women's soccer she is because she's such the epitome of a nine, but she does so much more in her defensive work. If you go and watch her goals back, the way that she moves between the lines and between the center backs and how she's able to roll off of pressure is so impressive. And if you're a younger player, she, you know, likes of her and Lauren James are players to watch out for with how dynamic they are on the ball and they play their positions so well, but there's that extra technical element element that they have that separates them from the rest. And that's why she gets hat tricks like this. And also her diving header, she is life and limb on the line. I would have been like throwing my cleat out to try to get something on that. She had a diving header for her hat to complete her hat trick. She's fearless, and I love that she's getting the recognition that she deserves. And Hattie on Hattie on Hattie. She, she's killing the game. Yeah, she's one of those players that selfishly I would like to see play in NWSL because she hasn't played on our shores. She is one of those players that I, I think needs to, to the American public to see her play regularly to fully be appreciated. I completely agree with you, Darian. She's a player that I think all young players should be watching. It's a shame that we don't get to see her as much over here. Uh, I'm glad that we do not have WSL on uh, Paramount Plus, but what a play. What a play. <laughs> she currently, Sandra, leading the Golden Boot race in the Super League with nine goals right now. I was going to say, I'm like, the only thing I can add to that is just the fact that she's just like leading the entire league in scoring, which. Sandra, same thing. <laughs> this is, look, this is the, this is the second consecutive season where we're like, 
saying this about this player. I think the timeline actually might be kind of similar. I believe she was the leading goal scorer at their holiday break last year. Please feel free to correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. But I think that for me, as someone who's always going to be a vocal supporter of all things CONCACAF, uh, loves to see from B Bunny Shaw uh, over overseas and, and playing in England. Uh, the fact that it's become just kind of this consistent, regular occurrence that we see out of this player week to week, that you know that when Bunny Shaw gets slotted in for Man City, that she's going to go out there and produce. She's like an automatic bucket or an automatic goal at this point. And I, you love to see that for a player of this caliber. And I'm absolutely with Aaron as well. I, I would love to eventually see a player like that, you know, come on back to, to, to this side of the globe and, and play in front of audiences here as well. I mean, this is a, a player who's not unfamiliar with playing in the States, came up in the, in the collegiate uh, collegiate ranks uh, over here. So we'll, we'll see. I think she's still got, you know, some, some things that she wants to uh, accomplish uh, in women's super league, whether that's, a scoring title or, or a league title. And because they've got her, Man City's in a good position to do that. It's been fun watching Bunny Shaw, City, um, all these teams through the first 10 match days of the Barclays Women's Super League. Now we get a break, sadly, right? The, the league is going to pause until January 20th. So we'll have to find some other ways to fill our, our mornings on the weekend. But I want to hear from all of you kind of thoughts on the first half of the season right now. We've got Chelsea, Manchester city, Arsenal, Manchester United as the top four teams in the standings right now, Chelsea favorites heading into the season. I would say Aaron are, are Chelsea still the favorites at this point? Yeah, I think no one's really shown themselves to be clear favorites to, to knock them off. I, I think they still set us atop the pile. I think city can challenge. I think, if Arsenal can string together some real results, they have a, a little bit of a lesser shout to challenge. But I think for me, the way that I look at this Chelsea team, the way they're coached, their first team, which, I mean, their depth is is their first team. is You never really know what you're going to get out of their first team because their depth is, is so big, which is the third point. So I, I think I, I got to keep them as favorites. Yeah, I have to echo, Aaron. I said, you know what, I think Chelsea could win a Champions League. And a lot of people scoffed and laughed at me, but we, we need to place like a wager or something. But yeah, I think there's a lot on the line for this team. They still have a chip on their shoulder, I think, from previous years, previous Champions Leagues. And they also want to ride or die for their coach, who we know is leaving. So there's just that extra oomph that I think that they have right now to enjoy the game, score some goals, and win the league. I, I I really think that they're going to remain the favorites and that they can do it. Erin, we're talking uh, Super League, not Champions League. Right? Uh, I, I got to throw in both. We got to throw in both. Come on. <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't blame you out. Look, I, I'm I'm a Blues fan, so I would love to see it. So from your mouth to the soccer gods, I hope it comes to fruition. <laughs> but and as far as this first half of the Women's Super League, I'm with everybody. I mean, Chelsea earned that honor, right, to, to be the team to chase in this campaign. And they've shown that they are exactly that. I think maybe they had a week where they had a couple of hiccups and we all saw that massive scoreline between them and Arsenal. But I think their manager, Emma Hayes, kind of shows why she's one of the best in, in the world and kind of just reminded everyone, like, just, slow down like there's a there's still a whole half of a season to play here and, and enough and enough things to play for but this is a, a league that we have seen the last couple of seasons come down to that final match day so I wouldn't be surprised if it 
stays a little bit narrow still between maybe one to three teams. Uh, I'm not too sure at this point if I can confidently say that Man United is going to be one of those teams that is going to like stay in a massive contention. Maybe it's actually going to be instead of a top four race and might be a top three for for that uh, ultimate crown at the end. But uh, I think right now Chelsea has shown that they're a team that can make those adjustments, bounce back even a couple after a couple of questionable games and are absolutely the, the team to beat. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea's been at the top and they they are at the top continuously. I, I think that you cannot count some of these other clubs out, right? Even you look at Arsenal and tough weekend that they had against Tottenham, getting that, that loss that kind of stopped their winning streak. This is an Arsenal side that isn't in Champions League. So they're, they're getting players back from injury. They have a chance to make a run in this Super League and, and knock off Chelsea, the big fish and the big contender at the top of this, which you have so much energy going up against a, a team like Chelsea. But only time will tell. Of course, the Barclays Women's Super League taking a break. They'll come back uh, January 20th for match day 12 in the Super League. Um, but until then, we've still got plenty more women's football to chat about. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Darian, Sandra, Aaron, It's it's been a pleasure chatting with you all that'll do it for us today on attacking third everyone i hope you have a great day thank you guys for having me again cbs friday tv's hottest show is fire country i'm not a hero i'm in orange for a reason they're taking 12 months off your sentence you're free with a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.